following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Welcome into Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Venosi, joined by Tyler Palmentier, and we are coming to you from the Main Street Media television studios for the first time, and more specifically, the George Plaster backdrop here. We, we didn't ask permission, but maybe we can beg for forgiveness later. Tyler, what do you think of our, uh, our new digs here? Yeah, I think if we're going to do a show in here, we probably should get our own uh, souvenir on the wall, with George's permission, of course. Yeah, we'll have if to. He would let us dig into the memorabilia and maybe contribute something here if this is going to become a regular thing. But anyways, we are here to talk high school football. Of course, everything that happened last week in week six, looking ahead to this Friday as well, a lot more action on tap. And uh, of course, the highlight of the show is our guest. And today we've got East Nashville coach Jamal Stewart. His team is riding high. They are 6-0, and coming off a big win over Independence. And we are joined by Jamal now. Coach Stewart, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. And uh, I just mentioned it, Jamal, but you guys downed Independence 32-7 to last Friday. Big win there. Um, and, and you guys weren't the only Metro school that had big wins. There was Cane Ridge uh, beating CPA, on Overton beating Northwest. There was Frank, or, uh, fr- uh, excuse me, McGavick beating Franklin. The list goes on and on from there. Pearl Cone also shut out defending state champion Tullahoma. Two years removed from the COVID shortened season, Jamal. I mean, what do you just make of where the district stands at this point? I feel like we're finally getting back to where we need to be. Uh, it, for Met- it hit a lot of people hard, but Metro was really tough. We really couldn't do anything. You know, we were out of the weight room for two years, and the weight room was important. And we we put our we try to hang our hat on the weight room, and we were out of it for a while. And like I said, after two years, I feel, I feel like we're finally getting our feedback on the ground and where we need to be and what our expectations are with no bumps in the road to – Keep helping us excel. Hey Jamal, um, you know I don't. When you came on board, I'm I'm trying to remember if you were part of the scheduling, you know, of all these uh, larger class schools. But you know, when you kind of look at those those tough non-region teams that you schedule against, um, non-region teams, you know, when you go back and schedule those, how many of those do you actually think you're going to win when you're scheduling them in the future? Oh uh, yeah, so I did make our schedule. Um, and to be honest with you, all of them. I mean, that's Good. my expectation. Good. I mean, I'm just gonna be and I'm I'm just being real. Now, what happens on Friday? You know, any Friday, you know, anybody can go down. But expectations. I mean, I wanted to be a good football game, and I want us our guys to experience some some football in other counties and other districts and things of that nature. And it's good football, you know. So. I feel like, you know, we put a schedule together. I don't want to put a schedule together to guaranteed a in win undefeated season without any without any, you know, pushback. But uh, I also want a ten game schedule where we gotta fight and you know, we gotta develop and we gotta learn and things of that nature. So, you know, when I put a schedule together, I feel like we can win them all no matter what. I mean, I'm never gonna go anywhere and say, no, nah, we can win that game. So that's kinda one of them trick questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't supposed to be, but you know. 
Yeah, great answer there, uh, Jamal. But, you know, that schedule certainly helped you guys last year. I mean, that you guys had all kinds of tests before you got to the playoffs, and it seemed to pay dividends there, of course, advancing to the Class 3A state championship game. And I'm curious, you know, in the in the 10 months since then, what has advancing that far done for your program? Have you guys seen an uptick in fan support or player participation or any, anything like that? Oh, well, the fan support is there. Our community is supporting us and doing little things that we need. And, you know, they're always trying to reach out and say, hey, can we do this? Or do you need this? And how can we help? And, uh, of course, everybody wants to be on a winning program. And, like I said, we had a great season last year. And there's more kids trying to try out. But a lot of kids realize it's easy looking, it's easier on the outside looking in because we put these kids through a lot of battles. And, uh, excuse me, my, my, I'm in my weightlifting class right now. That's my football players, if you hear them in the background. So, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we put them in a battle. You know, we so it's it's tough. Practice is tough. We're hard on them. We make them, you know, grind it out. And, and then hopefully, you know, we try to make it where Friday's a little easier than Monday through Thursday. But, I mean, you tell the, it, it's the Tyler Chan. Everybody wants to be a part of the program. You got kids asking, uh, how do you get to East? Because we, you have to apply to go to East. You can't just, hey, I'm in the neighborhood. Uh, I can go to East Nashville High School. That doesn't work like that. So, you know, things of that nature have picked up. But, you know, it's just still, no matter what, when you get in, get in here, you realize, oh, man, these guys are really working. So a lot of people want to get in, but a lot of people don't finish, if it makes sense. That's absolutely right. And uh, just to kind of add some context to this non-region schedule, uh, wins for East Nashville over Independence, Father Ryan, Hillsboro, all all schools uh, well above their classification. So that's kind of that that's been a big story of Metro football. And uh, part of that has just been the play of Zach Beard, Jamal. Um, he he seems like he's improved tremendously. Over 900 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, one reception going into last week. Is there a specific area that, that you have seen where he's maybe made the most progress? Well, Coach Terrence Love and myself work with Zach and the quarterbacks every day. Uh, we do a lot more film study. We sit him down and we, we let him kind of tell us what he likes. You know, now ideally it's not, it's not been perfect, but it's been a better season starting off than it was last year. He's just grown. He's been a different type of leader. Uh, and he he's connected well with his wide receivers. And, you know, he just – he puts the ball where it needs to be. His accuracy's got a lot better. His feet have got a lot better as well. So he's he wants to run the ball so much, and I really won't let him. I mean, he can. We do it a little bit, but he's just been pinpoint accurate lately. Uh, kind of shaky last Friday, but, you know, that's part of it. That crowd, that environment, you know, it's different. It's something they've experienced all year so far. So I expect that. But, uh, yeah, he's been just a tremendous leader for us, and he's he is one of those guys that, you know, it's going to be hard to replace, but while you have him, you, you better enjoy it because he does everything you ask him to do. Well, Zach's been doing a great job passing the ball. It's been Traquan Waters running the ball for you guys. He's been a big contributor, filing up the 100-yard games and, and the big stats, seems like, every week. And it's a pretty neat story, too, Jamal. I understand that he was previously a linebacker, at one point left the team, and now he's back. Uh, how much has his return meant this year and for that offense and just kind of for the team in general? Yeah, Traquan is actually, to be honest, he's probably – he's one of our better linebackers. But me and Coach Simpson, our D coordinator, sat down, and he was like, man, he's he's very valuable to what we're doing on offense. And he was like, he can sparingly use them. So he's been mostly on offense lately. But Traquan can really play linebacker. And uh, 
he's just he's just stepped up, you know, like you know, we we have this a lot uh where you know kids when they're younger they feel like all oh, the older guys are going to play, I'm just going to fall back and wait till it's my turn. And that's kind of the mentality I'm trying to get rid of around here. But uh that's kind of the mentality he had. But when I got here, everybody kept telling me he was a great running back for freshman football a couple three years ago. And then he was just so nonchalant. I had to sit in bag. I didn't see it. You know, so it's just like we have other guys, like you said, that's in front of him. But no matter how old you are, you know, I tell the kids, tell the freshman kids, if you're one of the best options, you're going to play on Friday night. And we have freshmen playing on Friday night right now against some reps here and there. And then my right tackle, Malik Bowler, has been starting for us since he was a freshman. So, you know, we tell them that, and then it's just like, he was kind of, you know, I play JV, I'll sit back, yada, yada, yada. And it's just, that's how he was. But last year, he was doing well, and then Amari Ford just took off. You know, he just had a great season. So he just played defense and fell back, and then he just, you know, just kind of like fell back from the team. And then this year, he had, he's been in the weight room since the first week of February, and he has not fell off yet. Like, He's a leader, still a quiet kid, but he leads by example. Yes, sir, no, sir. He's in the weight room. He's watching film. He's breaking down things. He's helping clean up the field. He's a true leader. And like I said, he stepped up tremendously for us as a senior this year just by leadership. And on the field, it's, it's transitioned to the field as well. Like I said, he wants the football. He wants to put the team on his back. And he, he'll do whatever you ask him to. But lately, on Friday night, he's been the man with the ball in his hand. Yeah, that's really interesting, Jamal, because Amarion Ford last year, I, I believe he was a, a position changeover from linebacker. Is that accurate? That's exact. So same thing. Coach said. So, so, so one of my coaches. Like, so every year we get and have our meeting, he's like, "Well, we just know Jamal's still a linebacker, so let's just find another replacement." <laughs> well, that's so. a, that. Well, that's. I was going to ask you about that. It's just, it, moving Traquan from linebacker is interesting because. Your linebackers and defensive line were so good last year, and you graduated a few of them. So, you know, who's kind of been stepping up into those roles? I mean, we have we have some young kids that's been stepping up for us tremendously. A lot of sophomores, uh, a couple of junior kids has been stepping up. Uh, we ha- we have uh, Keelan Anderson. He's a freshman. He's actually been playing a little linebacker for us as a starter the last couple of weeks. Very smart kid, fast kid. Does whatever you ask him to do. He's been he's the one stepped up, and then uh, we uh, on the D line. Like I said, we have a rotation going right now. Like I said, Tion Curry stepped up for us on the D line. Peyton Ewan has stepped up for us. William oh, oh we call him William Fubu. So he he he's number twenty two. He's our senior D line captain. He's been tremendous for us. Uh, doing a great job. And like I said, we uh, Jordan Houston. He's outside linebacker DN for us. He's definitely been one of the guys that's been a staple in our defense. So it's those guys right there. Everybody's just stepping up and just being being the team players that we need them to be to uh, just continue on what we've been building. A lot of these guys played a lot of these guys played sparingly last year, but the team from last year set the foundation on what's what to expect and what we're gonna do. So they're kind of just feeding off of that and keeping it going for us lately. Jamal, the last time we talked, you guys had just survived that scare from Hillsboro, uh, and that was a, a game you said you saw coming. You were you were kind of worried about, but um, you were hoping that it was going to be a wake up call for the players. And since then, you guys have rolled to wins over Jackson County and Independence. Do you think the the team's pretty locked in now at this point in the season? Yeah, because I think they realize that. Uh, 
like I said, I always harp, harp on respect the game of football, respect the game of football. And we didn't respect the game of football in the week. Like, and I, we won easy over them last year. And then this year we feel like we can do it again because they're 0-3. But people don't realize they play really good teams. Their schedule's brutal, too. And call. You know, and the kids responded well. They took the coaching. They took the system. They really, you know, we can't do that to get to where we want. And they've focused. They've refocused a lot. They're uh, they're anxious and for the scout breakdown. <laughs> we laughed at they wanted Saturday morning. They wanted Sunday morning. That's how fast they want it. So they can prepare for the next week. And that's exciting to see the kids want it just as bad as we do prepare. So, you know, we kind of been building off that big time. So, Hey, last thing, Jamal, then we'll get you out of here. Uh, you've spoken about this before. Um, you know, your school lacks a practice field, and that puts a lot of wear on the game field. And, I, you know, you I hardly know any high schools that don't have a practice field, at least nearby campus. Have you gotten any feedback from Metro about whether that's a, a possibility or what have kind of been the – what have the conversations been like kind of officially between between you and your Metro school officials about that? Well, you know, like I told you last time, uh, our admin is doing a great job trying to, you know, help us out as much as they can, but it's out of their hands. And we're actually we're actually the only school without a practice field or another field that uses a practice field. And, you know, so last week we actually practiced on the game field because we had a, had a away game. So, you know, even though we gave it some time off, we just practiced on it a little bit. But – uh, as of right now, I don't, I don't know what the future holds for us and having a practice field. That was the biggest push for us getting turf was because the wear and tear on our game field, we're the only one without a practice field. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't be an issue. So we got some people in the community that are backing us and want to, you know, build some things for us. Uh, Jamie Hollis, who's a neighborhood lawyer, he's a really good friend of mine, great supporter of East Nashville. He's doing a lot of the footwork and talking to people and finding investors and guys of that nature that want to help the community and help and see the importance of why we need it. Like I said, we share campus with a middle school program, with, with the school as well. So they actually practice on the side on a little patch of grass, which we don't like that for them. And then also they play their home games here, you know, and then soccer, then band. And then, you know, you want to build community relationships. Uh, you want the East Nashville Little League, you know, flag football league and things of that nature. You want them to play in the community as well. We would love to have them on our field as well because they're East Nashville Little League or East Nashville Athletics. So, you know, it's bigger than just us. It's, it's really about community, and that's kind of what I'm trying to I'm trying to bring here and build here is community involvement and get the whole East Nashville, uh, you know, involved. So, but of right now, I just don't think that's a focus point on – what Metro's doing right now. And like I said, it's it's to the point where, you know, you don't even, you just, you understand know it's adversity. And I, like I said, preach to the kids, adversity is going to happen all the time. So we just really don't harp on it lately. You know, I know that might sound crazy to some, but we just, we focus on Friday and we we just go from there. Like I said, it, it kinda, it's kind of draining. But like I said, you don't want to add nothing to your plate or the kids plate to, be frustrated about, so we don't even focus on it no more. We focus on a hey, do more with less. So that's what we do. Yeah, I mean that's winning on Friday, taking care of things on Friday nights tends to lead to bigger things. So you guys yeah. are doing that well, and it, it does sound like there's some good 
maybe momentum or efforts going in that area. So, uh, Jamal, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, great stuff. And um, we'll be keeping tabs on you definitely the rest of the season. I appreciate you guys for having me on. That has been East Nashville football coach Jamal Stewart. Really appreciate his time today. And I want to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. We're going to take a quick break, Tyler, and then come back with our takeaways from week six. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I thought I could hold my liquor. Here on Main Street Preps this week, and as we we're talking about our takeaways, Tyler from last week, I want to I want to lead it off with this. I hope for East Nashville and Jamal's sake that this is not true, but I'm wondering if there's a Main Street Preps this week guest jinx developing here. Because let's just go through the last four weeks of guests that we've had on here: Will Kreisky from Riverdale, Will Hester from Ravenwood, Brian Rector from Father Ryan, and Brian Guthrie from Rockvale have all gone on to lose the Friday after their Tuesday appearance. So uh, I hope that's not a jinx that's developing but we've got a solid month now of data that shows that it might be. Well, in a solid few days, because I, last week I wrote about interceptions, how how good and accurate uh, BA sophomore quarterback George McIntyre had been uh, with no interceptions. And, of course, first series at Friday, he he gets one thrown. But, uh, I, you know, it was a tipped pass by a teammate. So, you know, it's not like he threw it right to somebody. But, yeah, George and I had kind of a, a laugh about it after the game, and I'm sure Coach Cody White probably is – He's probably got my phone number blocked by now. But um, as we kind of get into takeaways, Russell, I'll just lead off with mine. I mean, that was watching B.A. and NBA last week. It was such a great quarterback matchup with uh, Marcel Reed at NBA, the old Miss commitment also playing, and and he played great. But really it was uh, – I thought it was kind of a night just to see how McIntyre handled a – like, a, you know, a, a high, high-profile game in his own stadium. And he finished 15-25 for 226 yards and a touchdown in that pick. And but more importantly, was part of a comeback effort uh, that just fell a little bit short. Um, the, the kid's good. He can he, at six five and being kind of uh, skinny, he he really runs around with a long stride, and he's more elusive than than you think. So I was just I, I can't be more impressed with him every time I see him. And if you talk to him, you can tell he's also already super mature. So obviously has a super bright future as a as a as a player. You know, it is interesting, Tyler. As we're kind of seeing the, the final weeks of some of the best quarterbacks around here, Chris Parson, Kenny Minchie, Marcel Reed, we're starting to see that next crop develop. You know, George McIntyre, obviously one of them. Yeah. But then I know there's another guy you want to talk to talk about, Nashville Christian quarterback Jared Curtis. Man, he's he's looked great. I saw him against Good Pasture, and he just passes the eye test. He's kind of that same build as McIntyre, real tall and big and can sling it. And uh, the results are start, starting to show that he might be heading for a great career too is – with the uh, East Nashville, or sorry, Nashville Christian yeah. team there. When you compile all the young quarterbacks in this area, even the guys who might not be D1 
Division One or Power Five with the class in 2023, the trio of four-star quarterbacks. This is an awesome year for quarterbacks in the area. Um, you know, obviously, I don't have the institutional knowledge. I haven't been here forever to know when the last great one was. But you know, look at look at Jared Curtis's number. He's a freshman and he hasn't gotten the start all year. Jeff Brothers brought him along slowly, but. Curtis is in that spot solid now, and he threw for 332 yards and five TDs last week. Uh, I believe that final was 59-51 over Davidson Academy, so not a whole lot of teams putting up almost 60 points, Russell. And kind of my last takeaway from last week was just watching NBA. I think I was reminded of last year how the pandemic was was such a negative in our lives, but it did sort of all of a sudden with the cancellation, you know, we got Lipscomb Academy in Oakland, this awesome game to kind of decide – you know, who was the best team in the state? And I I just think this year, I, I wish we could get some way to get NBA and Lipscomb on the schedule. That'd be such an amazing game when you look at the talent those two teams have and also the talent of the coaches. So pipe dream, but that crossed my mind while I was covering that game Friday. You know, it made our job really easy putting together the rankings last year because we had that nice little round robin between CPA and Lipscomb Academy. They obviously play because they're in the same region. And then you had CPA Oakland and Oakland uh, Lipscomb Academy. So we knew exactly who the best team was based on on-field results, and that turned out to be Oakland with Lipscomb right behind them. But I'd love to see the same thing this year with Lipscomb, NBA, and Oakland because who's to say that one of those teams is better than the other right now? I don't know. I mean, we've got them ranked. I believe we've got them ranked uh, Lipscomb, Oakland, NBA, but there's probably some people that would would argue that at this point. And uh, that's a great. Really argument. don't have any way to to argue against them because they haven't played each other and they, they're not going to. And I think there's some uh, uncertainty about who would win in those games. I mean, definitely. Yeah. I, I really think there would be, I think they're all really good teams, but if, if you're a, a fan or a coach or player from each team, I think you can easily make an argument that your team should be number one. And I wouldn't really be able to argue back. I mean, I mean, I guess we have Lipscomb ranked, so we've got our reasons, but I would accept any argument that all three of those teams could be number one. Yep. Been a been a fun year so far of, of football and and hey on the way out here on this on this segment just want to give a hat tip to Metro football I know we talked about it with Jamal but man what a week they had last week and I, I mentioned all the teams that won and won impressively too I mean Pearl Cone routed Tullahoma Overton ran over Northwest uh, Franklin or McGavick took care of Franklin East Nashville rolled over Independence and then um, great win for Cane Ridge pulling it out against CPA that's still a good CPA team I know maybe they've fallen down with a couple losses here, but that's still, still a good team and an impressive win there. So, and on that note, it's important to note that Cane Ridge won without Reggie Goodlow, who was really their, mm. their best running back through a three or four games before he went out with a hamstring injury. So that was without one of their best players. How about that? We're going to talk about Cane Ridge in just a moment in our pick segment coming up, but first we're going to take another quick break. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It was just a few cocktails at happy hour. <laughs> you really good try. There aren't any cops around. I didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir. Sir, you've been in a serious crash. I need you to hang on, okay? All 
hard to believe, but week seven is already here in the high school football season. And we are going to talk about some of the biggest games in the Nashville area, leading it off with Cane Ridge at Smyrna. We've got this one pegged as the game of the week, and it is shaping up to be a real tight contest, Tyler. Yeah, it was a tough one for me to pick. I've got Cane Ridge 21-20. I just like Cane Ridge coming off the win at CPA for reasons that we mentioned. Uh, I think Moe's Phillips III is probably one of the better wide receivers around here that we don't doesn't maybe get talked about a ton. I mean, we we wrote a story about him earlier in the year, but he's he's a I mean, he's almost good for 100 yards receiving and a touchdown every game based on a lot of the stats I've seen. So, but Smyrna has a Arian Carter, one of the best linebackers around and he'll probably be the best defender they they face. So, it's going to be a close one, I think. I've got Cambridge taking it as well, 28 to 24. I think it's going to be a one-score game and uh Shavon Abdullah, he's going to be the dark horse quarterback, kicker. He does just about everything for them. Really impressive player there. So we'll see about that one. Should be a great game. Another game that should be pretty interesting, uh, a Metro Nashville battle here. McGavick at Overton. Both teams only have one loss. And uh, this one has a chance to be another maybe one-score game. On one side at Overton, you've got Ryder Hagen, great quarterback that's committed to TSU, really slings the ball all around the field. Uh, of course, he's got a great receiver, too, and Tyson Edwards going to Memphis that can uh, make plays all over the field. On the other side, you've got McGavick, a program on the rise under second-year coach Frederick Bur- Burnett, um, and they're looking good as well. They've got Mark Markellis Bass had a 200-yard rushing game in the win over Franklin. So this was another tough one, but I have Overton taking this one in a bit of a shootout, 42-35. to 35. Yeah, I've got – I'm going to take Overton, uh, let's say – let's say uh, – 40-30. Strange score. But uh, I like Overton. Um, you know, it was interesting with McGavick how they went to the ground last week, uh, going to their running back, whereas normally they're kind of a, a spread out offense. But I, I just – I kind of like Overton at home as a, maybe a coin flip. Um, Ryder Hagen leads a really good offense over there, and this is a huge game. Mathematically, neither team's really eliminated from the race. So uh still means something, and it's going to have a big – big implications on the third and fourth spot too yeah and getting that if you can get that home playoff game makes a world of difference so um those teams need need that win there let's stick in the area here with a game that we were just talking about a little bit with jamal green hill at east nashville it's another one of those tough non-region games for the eagles what do you think about that one tyler yeah i like east nashville 28 24 i'm gonna go with the home team and go with the hot hand there's no reason to pick against east nashville now the win over independence was really impressive. Uh, we mentioned Waters, what he's done, just a guy who's emerged. Uh, and that's, I think, probably opening up a lot of lanes for Zach Beard and made uh, for the great season that he's had so far. Yeah, real balanced attack they've got there. And I made that mistake last week of picking against East Nashville, so I'm not going to do it here. Uh, I've got the Eagles taking it 22-21. I feel like this is going to come down to an extra point or a two-point conversion. It's that that tight of a game. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Franklin Road Academy at Christ Presbyterian Academy could be another good one here. FRA has really narrowed the gap uh, this year under first-year coach Justin Geisinger. Of course, he's got the great running back and Ty Clark III to help him do that. Uh, meanwhile, CPA kind of reeling a little bit. Nothing to nothing to be ashamed of, though. They've lost to NBA, Brentwood Academy, and, and Canridge uh, last week, so they need a win. Uh, I, I do think CPA at home is really tough to beat. So I'm going with them 35 to 24. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, CPA, let's say 35, 25. I just want to go one up on your score. All right. Um, 
No, but I don't think CPA is going to drop another game back to back like this. They only rushed for 112 yards last week. I mean, it's probably been a while since CPA's done that with the guys they've had in the at quarterback and running back and the way they pounded people on the ground. So I don't think that's going to happen again. And probably going to be an amazing game for people who like uh, running backs and, and blocking because Ty Clark on the other end, uh, pro- he's ready for a big game too, like you mentioned. So uh, I, I like that matchup. I think CPA wins. It should be a fun game. And of course, to keep up with all the action, be sure to visit MainStreetPreps.com. We will keep you updated uh, throughout Friday night, uh, Saturday morning, all throughout the week with other sports as well. So that's definitely a page you want to bookmark. And I want to remind everybody one last time that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. We appreciate you joining us today, and we'll see you back here next time on Main Street Preps this week.